TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to to get the best out of you. And today, we're going to talk about how did the show come about and tell you what does the abnormal mean in The Abnormal Psychologist. Well, the abnormal in the title reflects imperfection. That me, I am a woman, wife, and mother before I'm a clinical psychologist. And therefore, I have worries and bad days too, just like everybody else. However, my clinical knowledge and experience allows me to draw on strategies that I've seen assist others and myself. And on the podcast, I'll be chatting about everyday mind, body, and life matters to inspire listeners to have the life that they want. There are discussions and interviews around how to improve everyday mental health, nutrition, movement, exercise, as well as health and lifestyle product reviews. The interviews are with both everyday people and experts in the field. So the idea is that you and I just have a relaxed conversation with the interviewees and we hope that they'll give us some ideas to improve our life, whether it's an everyday person coping with something difficult and adversity or whether it's an expert sharing their story about how they've coped, as well as giving us some expert tips and advice so that we can reflect on our own experiences and gain insights into strategies to create positive shifts in our lives. So how did I get to this point and how did I become a clinical psychologist? Well, let me share with you a bit about my story. Um, Well, about 15 years ago, I met my husband, Tony, and it was love at first sight. And we moved back to my lovely hometown in northwest New New South Wales to get married and settle into country life. Um, I had always wanted to be a psychologist. I've always been intrigued by human behavior. um, And even in year 10, when I was away at school and the other girls were going off to sports school or SeaWorld for their year 10 work experience... I actually went away to a residential mental health facility to shadow the psychologist there and and walk around and talk with the inpatients, even in intensive care wards. And, you know, it only fueled or inspired me further to go into the field of mental health and to help people improve their mental health and well-being. Uh, The pathway to become a psychologist is, is fairly lengthy. Um, when I went through, it was a three-year undergraduate degree plus one-year postgraduate degree and then two years supervised experience. Or the alternative was to do the four years at university plus a further two years um, in a master's of psychology. So essentially, it's six years full-time to gain registration as a psychologist. And even the name psychologist is actually what we call a regulated title, which means you can't call yourself a psychologist unless you've actually done those six years of study and registered yourself with the Australian Health Professionals Registration Board. So over time, um, I've studied at various universities and, and now I'm endorsed as a clinical psychologist. And about 10 years ago, I very content with how life was going and I had opened a private practice and had 
and was pregnant with our very first child and everything was going to plan and we were very happy and content in our grown-up life. But then on the morning of my first day of maternity leave, everything changed. I ended up having an emergency Caesar and my son's health was about to go on a roller coaster ride. There was birth complications and he had really bad eczema, like open from head to toe, like flaky, bleeding skin, and it would constantly get infected and it was all over his body, not just in patches. Uh, and then at about six to eight, I think around seven months, he, um, when we first started to feed him solids, it he broke out in hives and had swelling in his face and it turned out that he had life-threatening food allergies to a number of food food different food types and then at eight months um, just on the tail of the diagnosis of the anaphylaxis to various foods he then got chickenpox which is prior to vaccination which is around 12 months so it was like this really medieval style chickenpox where there was chickenpox on chickenpox and it was even the doctor when we took him there said he'd never seen anything like it so this poor little lad was going through quite the ringer with his with his health and I, and as his mum, I, I really struggled um, with his eczema we would have to wrap him in wet cotton cloths and then wrap him in a dry towel and so it was even hard to hold him and because we were afraid of hurting him or or that we might you know cause him some discomfort and it was really hard to cope with and of course he cried a lot and he did find it very hard to have a long sleep so he barely slept and he would just cry all the time and I remember saying to myself at different times you know I can't do this I just can't cope and then feeling exhausted and worrying about this little baby I remember one night he then had a fever and I really felt that I was really, you know, not sure if I could deal with any more. And he had this fever, but I tried to talk myself through it and that I was just worrying too much. And I put him into bed and I remember trying not to panic and thinking, you know, he's going to be fine. Everyone gets a fever. I will just treat it as you're supposed to treat a child with a fever. But at the time, we had a baby monitor that has a pad under it that that sits under the mattress. And it's designed to not only be a sound monitor, um, but also it will send off an alarm if the baby's breath can't be detected. And I put him into bed and I tried to settle myself to sleep. And then suddenly I heard that alarm and I ran and got into him and grabbed him out of that bed and he he was breathing but it was so shallow so I jumped in the woke my husband jumped in the car um actually he was awake by now but we both jumped in the car and drove straight to the hospital which is actually not very far from where we live and you know it was just unbelievable and the next thing I knew we were being airlifted to Sydney and my son was in intensive care being in an intensive care ward for children was not what I expected. It was so quiet and so calm. Everyone was polite and friendly, but there was no kind of chaos or open distress that you might imagine in an intensive care ward. And I realized that for my son and the other children and other families and for myself, that I really needed to pull myself together. And what 
was curious was I had access to all these years of study and research and experience in counseling people in my own head and I just needed to sieve through that and draw on strategies that could work for me in that moment and I did I I came across a few of the strategies that helped me to calm down my body and to calm down the racing thoughts and focus my attention where it needed to be listening to the doctors and nurses and supporting my son the strategies that I was using I was using them as a mum not as a clinical psychologist thankfully my son's health did improve and we returned home and I started to realize how much anxiety had been getting in my way not just since my son was born but I could see it had been there threaded throughout my life through school primary school even high school university you know ways that it held me back and and that self-talk and self-doubt and and worry about what people thought how I would go what if I failed that anxiety had always been there to varying degrees but now I had found a way to contain it and manage it well most of the time anyway I still have bad days but I could see my clients experiences differently through that experience of my own I started to understand the impact or the disability that everyday mental health issues can have on us, holding us back from pursuing our goals or career or relationship. I started to share more focused strategies with my clients and I could see the change in their faces too as they got it. You know, I'm talking here about clients with mild to moderate anxiety, not the acute or pervasive disorders. And these strategies might not work for everybody, but I could see that for a lot of clients that they could start to manage their worry, that they could see themselves being less restricted by the self-talk and the what-ifs, the self-doubt and the avoiding things. And that's really why I started the podcast, to share everyday mental health strategies with others. And that's why it's the tagline is the giving you the how-to to to get the best out of you. So part of what I see as a really important part of mental wellness is knowing ourselves and understanding how we filter our experiences through rules and beliefs and how we manage our reactivity to triggers in our lives. A while back, I was listening to the radio and I heard how Oz the Great and Powerful was being made as the prequel to The Wizard of Oz. And this was quite some time ago. I was actually preparing for a speech uh, to do with Jessica Rowe and uh, Kevin, the Honourable Kevin Humphreys, who at the time was the State Minister for Mental Health, which is one of his portfolios. And I was looking for some inspiration and I just happened to be listening to um, a show on Radio National about this lady, Ellen Spitz, Professor Ellen Spitz, who was an expert on The Wizard of Oz, The Wizard of Oz novel by Frank Baum. And I remember being you know, intrigued and wondered how could Miss Spitz make a living as being an expert on The Wizard of Oz. But I also became really curious about her analysis of the story and she talked about Dorothy and her interactions with the Wicked Witch and I'm not sure if you remember 
if you've only seen the film, this particular part's not played out as much as it is in the book. But there is a moment um, where the witch, when she's got Dorothy cornered, um, realises that that there's a mark of the good witch on Dorothy's forehead. And this is a protective kiss. And the wicked witch um, knows this and backs off initially. But then she persists with her scheming and concludes that since Dorothy doesn't know the value of that kiss and how to use her protection or power or even understand that she has power, then the Wicked Witch can still enslave Dorothy because Dorothy doesn't know her power. Miss Spitz reported that the author Frank Bourne opens our eyes to the tremendous value of self-knowledge and to know thyself. And this made a lot of sense to me as that is essentially the role I play as a clinical psychologist when I'm working with clients one-on-one and that is facilitating this self-knowledge. You know, I, I can't say I go to church every Sunday, but there is something about regular periods of reflection and feeling part of a community or being led with a sense of hope. And I think there's a lot of that doesn't happen so much anymore in our society and unfortunately that means that many of us don't have this period of quiet almost meditation like experience and we don't have those same opportunities to gain insight into our lives and the lives of the people that we love and we don't have that opportunity to really reflect on what what's working you know when i do well how did i get there and and when is it not working okay what have i stopped doing that made things work well or what have i started doing that have made things unravel a little and i think it really gains gives us an opportunity to gain perspective and that's also part of my role as a psychologist is to be a non-judgmental objective person able to hear that person's story without judgment and reflect back to them what I can hear is going on but I think sometimes like Dorothy we don't always know ourselves enough to know what our strengths are or what strengths we have sometimes it takes adversity for us to realize just how strong we are having activities that you engage in that make you feel most like yourself can give you that sense of connection and satisfaction in your life and essentially help you to build resilience and that's also what the show is going to be about is you know having a place where you can come to and listen to others stories and feel connected to other people's experiences that may be similar to your own or or someone you care about And being able to reflect and build a sense of satisfaction in your life that essentially will help you to build that psychological strength and resilience to things that come in. What I've seen in the last 20 years of working with children and adolescents, adults and families, is that no matter who you are or where you come from, rich, poor, cool or not cool, we all have bad days and we all face adversity. And even though we might look at others facing difficulty and tragedy, sometimes what we're facing in our own backyard is the worst we've ever had to deal with. It's the biggest thing we've ever had to face. And so it's not fair to compare ourselves to that person who's had that tragedy and they survive, or this person has that. Or, And the reverse is also true, You know, to minimize other people's experience when you think, gosh, I've been through worse, why can't they cope? You know, whether it's, an illness or a bully at work or a sick child or just feeling like nothing matters 
It's all our own experience. And what I've learned in my years of practice is to never underestimate the impact an event has on someone or underestimate an individual's resilience. I don't think there's any real secret to resilience. We see it in people every day. Yet some of us feel as though real happiness and inner strength is unachievable. I remember a client really clearly who said to me one day in frustration, and this fellow was quite depressed. He asked, you know, why should I have to work so hard to achieve happiness? Why should I go to all the effort when it just seems to happen for everybody else? And at first I sort of thought to myself, maybe he's right. Why does he have to make all this effort? But then I realized that for some people, they've really made it a habit to do certain behaviors and to think in certain ways that it makes it easier for them to to be happy. So I asked him to think about someone in his life that, that did seem to have this happiness and contentment that he was aiming for. And once he'd thought of someone, I asked him, well, tell me about this person. You know, how do they exercise? And he answered, yes. Do they socialize? And he said, yes, they do. And I also asked him, do you know if they have any hobbies or interests? Yes, they do. They have a couple of interests that they explore. And then I went on and I asked about things like nutrition, you know, how do they eat? And his response to that was fairly consistent. But the person he was thinking of, they had all the ingredients there. They ate well, they slept well, they exercised, they connected with others, not necessarily a hundred friends, but just a couple of good ones. And they knew how to look after themselves. And it's a much easier place to generate happiness when we're working from those basics of movement, nutrition, good sleep, and connection with others. Even if that connection is an online connection through chat rooms or whatever it might be. So that person he was thinking of makes time for all those particular activities. They schedule it in and make it a priority. And I think sometimes for some of us, it's really hard to prioritize some of these things with our busy lives. You know, we don't choose to have adversity and heartache in our lives, but we do get to choose how we respond. You know, we can build resilience in our lives by making changes. We need to be more active, even if it's walking a few minutes a day. You know, open your front door, walk five minutes in one direction and then walk walk five minutes the return trip and that's 10 minutes more than you did the day before we need to get ourselves a sense of achievement and pleasure finding activities that make us feel most like ourselves whatever that might be it might be baking scones it could be scrapbooking fishing stamp collecting model planes jigsaws grooming pets painting singing dancing The list is endless, but finding that one thing that we can go to to energize ourselves, that's really important. It gives us a sense of peace and contentment that even, you know, we've got a, we've had a bad day or we've got worries going on in our life that we can recharge ourselves by going to our go-to thing that gives us our energy back. Achievement and pleasure are really important. We also need to sleep well get some good sleep and I know that some of the shows that we've got planned for the podcast will be around getting improved sleep quality so if you're having trouble sleeping stick around for some of those podcasts coming up 
We also need to have rituals built into our daily routines of mindfulness and calming down our bodies. Even though we can say, oh, that's not worrying me or I don't care. Sometimes we can manifest that in our bodies. We get headaches and muscle tension, maybe some digestive problems. So it's important that we take opportunities to slow down and calm down our bodies. And as I mentioned before, we also need to connect with our tribe, meet with a group of our peers, like an interest group, or as I said before, an online group. But it's good to connect with others. We need to eat well and regularly, feed our bodies with good food and water. And actually, this leads me to another part of my story, which is Three Apples, Three Apples Organics, our store. So as I mentioned, we have a son with food allergies, and that includes anaphylaxis to some foods. And because we live in a rural area, we often struggled to find foods um, that were safe and healthy for him. So of course, he could eat a huge range of lean meats and veggies but as he went through school he started to wonder why he couldn't have some of the foods that the other kids were having so in 2011 we opened a store with a focus on organic produce whole foods food as medicine and allergy friendly foods and i've actually found that the two the the two businesses i guess the the private practice and the store are quite complementary and i really enjoy working with people to improve their everyday mental health And I guess you could say my focus is on mood, food, and wellness, which will be threaded throughout the the podcasts. So that's really what brings me here to the podcast, is that I have been working with some really influential people. And when I say influential, they've been really important influence to me in exploring some of these ideas, including developing the Abnormal Psychologist and and a blog and sharing information sharing the information i have about mental health and wanting to share it with many so that you can drop in weekly to the show and hear ideas and strategies that you can implement in your own life we're going to try and make it as easy as possible we're not going to talk about complex mental health issues That's when you really need to see your GP and consult with a treating psychologist. What the show aims to do is is talk about everyday mental wellness. You know, those, those moods we get in or the irritability, understanding mild to moderate anxiety and depression and how we can get on top of our unhelpful self-talk and things that hold us back. So if you feel that you want to listen in and get lots of information about improving your resilience and improving your psychological strength, improve your coping, decrease your stress reactions, then this show is for you where we interview experts and everyday people and they'll share with us what they've learned and strategies that we can pick and choose from to implement into our everyday lives. We're going to be also doing lifestyle product reviews, different foods, different programs that are out there and see if we can take away some of the confusion on different tools to help you improve your health and well-being. So as I said, the show is really about you guys and giving back to you. So feel free at any time to drop into the Facebook page at Carrie Thompson Casey and give us feedback about the show and topics that you'd like to hear from. So 
when we get to the end of most episodes, we well, the plan is that I'm going to ask people for the three things that keep them most balanced and even. And so I'm going to share with you three strategies of mine. So the first one that I do on a daily basis is I absolutely commit to 10 minutes of sitting in, there's two spots, my winter spot and my summer spot, depending on the temperature. And I sit in that special spot and I sit there for 10 minutes and I just slow down and calm myself down and think of where I am in the moment. I look around, what can I see? What can I smell? And inevitably, my children will find me there and that's okay. And we just sit quietly together and have a little chat. So just slowing down for a few minutes a day is really important to me. Um, Something I'm working on at the moment is improving how much water I drink. Sometimes when I have a really busy day in the practice and I see clients back to back, sometimes I can go a whole six hours without having a mouthful of liquid at all. So I'm really trying hard to have a new habit of drinking my eight glasses or a liter of water every day. The other thing that I struggle with a lot, but I know how good I feel when I do it, is movement. Whether it's a 10-minute yoga DVD, on the treadmill, or chasing my kids around the backyard, I really try and make sure that I can just move my body a bit of exertion or a bit of stretching every single day. And you know what? I struggle with my commitment to that. Just because I'm a psychologist doesn't make me a knowledgeable sage and that I can do all these things. You know, it's really tricky to turn that back around on myself. But hopefully the abnormal psychologist will help me just as much as it will help you, hopefully. So I've got these this knowledge And I'm going to interview other people and get their ideas. And I'm going to share those with you so that you can get insights into what's going on for you. So where can you find me? Well, you can find me at the Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey, and that's Thompson without a P. And you can like us there and give us your feedback. And you can also go to iTunes and rate the show. And if you enjoyed the show, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. You can also support us by going to the website, carriethompsoncasey.com. Well, that was a great first show. I hope you got everything you needed and I look forward to seeing you at the next show with our special guest, which I can't wait to introduce to you. Okay, thank you so much for listening in. I'm really excited about the journey that we're going to have together. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. If you're loving the Wellness Couch podcast, then you'll absolutely love our special once-only free four-part webinar series starting Thursday, October 30. Join me and my Wellness Guys co-host plus Marcus Pierce from 100 Not Out and Inside the Champion's Mind as we dive deep into the hot topics of wellness over four consecutive weeks. Brett Hill will kick us off by showing you how to be fab and fit in five. I'll be presenting What the F and discussing the big bad F words when it comes to food. Lawrence Tam will leave you inspired with a magnificent mindset and MP will reveal his 10-step formula to mastering your life. These webinars are absolutely free and they go for an hour each and they take place every Thursday night from October 30 until November 20. To get access, you must sign up. So simply go to www.thewellnesscouch.com or check out The Wellness Couch on Facebook. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavour to 
provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners. These podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.